welcome to another episode of From the Newsroom, the weekly podcast of the Holland Sentinel. I'm Arpan Lobo. Today I'm going to be joined by a couple of our reporters to talk about a few local issues that are going on. But before we get started, I want to remind everybody, right now you can go to hollandsentinel.com and for $1 you can get a full subscription for six months. So you get all the great coverage in the Holland Sentinel, but also the best stories from the USA Today Network, and that includes the Detroit Free Press. First today we're going to talk to uh, our municipal reporter, Carolyn Meiskins, about a couple different issues. But Carolyn, how's it going? Good. That's great to hear. Now, we're going to talk about a couple different things today, but first we're going to talk about a recent um, ordinance passed by Holland City Council that has been a couple of years in the making, correct? Yeah, it's taken three years for city planning department and a consultant that they brought in to basically redo all of the zoning and development laws in the city. And yeah. this has been, so it's been a big process, a lot of meetings, and in the last year, also some controversy as well, generating some community backlash and protests, but it's it's over. <laughs> right, and, and this, this uh, new zoning uh, update, it's called UDO, is that right? <laughs> That stands for Unified Development Ordinance. Uh, the reason for the name is previously the zoning and development, the local laws governing zoning and development were kind of scattered throughout the city code. There wasn't one place that builders could go to actually just look at all of the regulations that they need to follow if they are starting some kind of new project, building a house, building a fence on your property, now all of those ordinances are compiled into one place and it's supposed to be much easier for people to use and find the information they want to find. So that's why it's called the Unified Development Ordinance or UDO for short. Okay, so this uniformity sounds like a good thing, but you mentioned that there has been a little bit of controversy. Um, what has been controversial and kind of who has been bringing the controversy to the uh, zoning update? Yes. So in addition to simply compiling all of the development ordinances, the planners also took the opportunity to make some changes to current zoning law. And some of those changes were a bit controversial. They wanted to allow more different types of housing in, for example, the single family R1 district they had proposed allowing duplexes um, in that district. And that's just just one of the areas that was controversial. But uh, people who lived in those neighborhoods really did not want to see their neighborhood change. They said, I, I built, I bought my house in a single family zone. I expected it to stay that way. I don't want to see this change. And so this really generated a lot of, a lot of anger and a lot of energy. And we had you know, protesters out on the street in front of City Hall, which is unusual for Holland, um, especially for something as typically dry as a zoning law. So, yeah, so there was a lot of community interest. But and, eventually the City Council actually took out the most controversial parts, including that provision that would have allowed conversions to duplexes in single family areas. So uh, the, the protesters' demands were, were basically satisfied. Wow, that freedom to assemble really paid off. Now, with this kind of updated uh, zoning ordinance, is there like a timeline uh, that Holland residents could see maybe developers 
launching new projects or maybe for homeowners that are able to make some changes on their uh, properties. Is there a timeline for when this could start to happen? Well, I think the standard, once notice is published in the newspaper, I think city ordinances usually go into effect in just a few weeks. So this is effective pretty much immediately. And we actually heard from city staff that they had developers basically waiting on the city council to pass this so that they could start work on projects and know what what the rules were going to be. So I think it was a bit of a challenge for some builders when the, the process got delayed. But I think, you know, within within a month, people will be able to um, take advantage of the, the new rules. We'll see if the changes that uh, take place because of Udo are really as drastic as some of the protests uh, made them seem. Although, as you mentioned, the most controversial parts have been uh, taken out. Now, we'll move from city council to the courts for another story you covered this week. And there was a guilty plea for a case that drew some statewide and national attention, if you want to start uh, walking us through that one. Yes. So a 21-year-old Holland man, Joshua Doctor, uh, made some big headlines when our state's attorney general, Dana Nessel, charged him with making a terrorist threat for making death threats against Governor Whitmer, um, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and uh, President Biden. And this case kind of flew under the radar this week when he pleaded guilty to the terrorist threat charge. And this is typically a felony punishable by up to 20 years in prison. However, the prosecutor and his defense attorney are going to be seeking a a special kind of sentencing that basically erases your criminal conviction. It's called the Holmes Youthful Trainee Act, and it allows young, young adult offenders um, a chance to, you know, without any other criminal record, a chance to kind of um, clear their record and um, seal records related to the case so they can go on with life with kind of a clean slate. So we're expecting a judge to make a decision on that next month. And that's interesting because you mentioned it's a felony charge, but you can still get, um, and we call it HIDA for short, but you can still get HIDA even for charges like this? Yes. So for the most serious charges like um, murder and rape, you cannot get HIDA, but uh, apparently this is uh, not, not serious enough to fall outside the bounds, but it is up to the judge. So we don't know for sure that he will be accepted into the HIDA, HIDA status. And so we'll have to see what decision the judge makes. And, you know, just for, just for folks that maybe uh, didn't get to see the original reporting um, we did when uh, the attorney general's office announced the, the charges, what were the content of these posts? Were these like Twitter posts or Facebook posts? Um, was, was it something where it was very kind of plain to see that these were threats or what would you describe it as? Well, there were posts on the meme sharing site, iFunny. And, um, you know, his attorney said that these were never really serious threats. And, you know, he has sincerely apologized and and taken responsibility. But um, he did 
threatened to shoot and kill these democratic officials and um, said that it would um, said that it would usher in a new American revolution. So I think that was that caught the eye of the FBI and um, eventually made its way to to the courts. Hmm. I funny of all places. That's not where I would have guessed it. But <laughs> uh, thank you, Carolyn, for joining us this week uh, and for your coverage of of, of uh, everything that goes around in the city. So we'll see you next time. Thanks, Carolyn. All right, we'll move on. Now our education reporter, Mitchell Boatman, is going to join us. Mitch, how's it going? Going well. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks. Now, a little, I guess we can't call this a lighter topic, but a more maybe not so immediately kind of paying off topic. You cover our school districts in and around Holland, and part of this is covering the school board meetings. And you were at a school board meeting on Monday, that was a little unusual. Can you explain why that was? Yeah, for sure. So especially over the last year, attendance at school board meetings usually is pretty light. And especially this was an in-person meeting, which normally um, you don't see a lot of people at, but there were around 15, maybe 20 attendees at the Zealand Public Schools Board of Education meeting Monday afternoon. And seven of them uh, got up to speak during public comment. And they're all, uh, you know, focused on basically the same topic. They, you know, were advocating for information on what the district was planning to do in the fall. And within those requests, the common theme was, uh, you know, speaking against some state mandated COVID-19 regulations, which aren't currently in place, but basically urging the district to not follow any mask mandates that may be put in place in the future was the kind of the common theme of these comments. That's interesting because in Michigan, you know, last month we had our statewide mask mandate uh, officially get, get kind of nixed. Although even the weeks leading up to June 22nd, there had been a lot of more leniency granted, especially if you took advantage of the vaccine. Um, now, these parents, they're asking for information on what school districts are going to do in the fall, in this case, Zealand Public Schools. Uh, did Zealand or are, are other districts in the area, have they really kind of came out with concrete plans or are they still kind of uh, taking things, um, taking a, a longer approach to plan? Because while COVID cases were uh, pretty low when the mask mandate um, was lifted and they remain hospitalizations and deaths remain low the delta variant is causing some concern among case growth so have school districts really come out with concrete plans or are they still kind of waiting and watching um it depends uh most of ours have not come out with you know concrete specifics other than we plan to be in person five days a week like like normal basically so but things like you know mask mandates and class size restrictions so those sorts of things haven't at least that i've seen from the majority of our districts haven't really been uh, spelled out as firmly because like you said there's just still that level of uncertainty so you know the districts want to try to take the time that they can to make sure they don't have to change a decision a week after they make it um and just 
to note, you know, like you mentioned, the mask requirements being lifted last month. Uh, Zealand Public Schools, uh, they lifted their masking requirements June 22, the same day that uh, they were, you know, lifted statewide. So they were right on that. You know, they told families that it was their choice for any summer programming and things like that. So uh, that is the current position of the district. Uh, they haven't, you know, changed that since. So uh, there, there remains no mask mandate in place at the district. Right. What was there kind of because public comment during these meetings? I mean, if you go to enough meetings, you learn that public comment really isn't meant to be a question and answer, or, uh, you know, a call and response type thing. It's more like, you know, commenters bring their concerns to a board. Was there any kind of response from either the board or any school officials to these parents about their concerns about what could happen in the fall? Sure. Yeah. And like you said, yeah, it's not typically something that uh, boards will respond to. They'll say, thank you for coming. We'll, you know, get back to you. And they typically reach out after the fact. Uh, Superintendent Brandy Lynn Mendham did say that, you know, she, she understands the desire for more information and that they are working hard to finalize their plans. Uh, she said that they're hoping to be able to announce some more details on that in early August. So just, you know, a couple of weeks from now. So they are working on that front. And uh, the board president, Tom Denherter, did share you know at the uh, kind of right before adjourning the meeting um you know he said that he agreed with a lot of the things that were said tonight like he understands but one of the things that people were asking was for the board to ignore any mandates that would be put in place in the future and so the board president said you know i realize we need to follow within the laws and within the rules that's something we need to do and you know it's not as simple as just ignoring a county order or a state order Right, right. It puts the school district kind of in this weird rock and a hard place because these parents, uh, if I remember correctly, some of them even said that they would, you know, pull their kids from the district and seek alternative yeah. school options, right? Yeah, uh, there was one parent that said they were in a Facebook group that had over 500 parents in it that would all pull their students if there was a mask mandate in place. Sheesh. Oh, that does seem like a lot of uh, students. Yeah. Well, uh, Mitch, thanks for uh, reporting on this and thanks for uh, joining us today. Um, I think that'll do it for us. Um, but before we go, I just wanted to mention again, again, that's hollandsentinel.com. You For $1, that's a single buck, one George Washington, you can get six months of complete access to the Sentinel. That's every story online. That's the E-edition and more. Um, that's also stories from the USA Today Network and Detroit Free Press. And you can get all of Carolyn's reporting, you get Mitch's reporting, you can even get my reporting and our other great staff. So again, that's hollandsentinel.com, six months of full access for a dollar. That'll wrap it up for us this week on From the Newsroom. For Mitch and Carolyn, I'm Arpan Lobo. Thanks for joining us.